Psalm 150 sounds like a good place to stay. So we will go there. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So let's pray once again. Ask Father for your quickening by the Spirit of God that we would thus do more than physically hear these words, but they would ring deep in our hearts and our souls that we would heed and hear and obey uh, this glorious call. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Genuine praise is not about what you like. That's not the subject. Well, well, I like this. No, no. This has nothing to do with what you like. It's not about being relevant to a certain generation's type of music. That's not even up for discussion. If we're going to take our cue from the word of God. Well, I don't like old music. Well, then don't go to heaven because they're not going to change the tone, change the song. The main song is holy, holy, holy Lord God almighty. If you don't like that, you wouldn't be happy in heaven. It's not about impressing my emotional or aesthetic senses. It's not about being a gifted musician or about grand performances. There's so much praise, quote unquote, in churches today, it doesn't get higher than the ceiling because it's not intended to go higher than the ceiling. It's intended to impress people down here. So they'll come back next week. Praise to God has nothing to do about trying to impress you to come back next week. It's all about him who is worthy to be praised. The relevant question is not, do you have a great singing voice? But do you have a song of praise in your soul? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Psalm 150 answers four questions. Verse 1, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens. We're told that our praise is to be in the sanctuary. It's a good old word that refers to God's chosen meeting place. And in the Old Testament, it could have referred to Bethel, Gilgal, the tabernacle, the temple. But in the New Covenant, the focus is no longer on a building or a structure. We're blessed to have a, a fine structure. It's not the latest of architecture, but we're blessed to have a wonderful place to come. But that's not the issue. This is not the sanctuary. Are you a Christian? You are. You're the sanctuary. You're the new temple. You're his dwelling place. 
And God is to be praised. To him we say hallelujah when his redeemed temple gathers for worship. We need to start coming to this meeting with a biblical vision. We are gathered here to worship him. It's nice to see you. It's nice to have some fellowship. But we're here to worship Jesus. We're here to worship the triune God. It's great to worship him in, in personal devotions or if you're out going for a walk in the park or if you're driving home or if you look up into the skies and see the wonders there or if you're praising in the midst of trouble or trial. But we must not forsake praising God with the assembly of the saints. Well, well, I don't like uh, music and and I don't like preaching, but I'm okay with Bible study, so I'll just come to Bible study. We are called to be God's people who gather together for praise. This, This is big with God. Because he's worthy. We're not trying to pump him up. We're not trying to encourage him. Do you remember what happened when God did all the creation? Job tells us. The angels burst forth in song as they viewed his creation. Uh, Do any of us ever see the creation? It's an invitation to praise the Lord. To burst forth in song. In just a few months, and maybe already, people are already getting in a a tizzy about the holiday system. And many, most, will miss the birth of Christ. It's just a side note. But in God's economy, it's the main thing. And you know what? The angels think so. Go back and read Luke chapter 2. At the birth of Jesus, the angels are crying out, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Unto you, humans, is born in the city of David a Savior, Christ the Lord. They're excited. They didn't need anything else to excite them. I think they were astounded. They were not ignorant of the fact that the fallen angels, the rebelling angels, got no, will get no salvation. They're not envious or mad at God. They are astounded and filled with praise. Look, you humans. Unto you is born a Savior. As to the worship in the heavens, we've made note many times that when you go to the book of Revelation, it's filled with praise and worship to God that is sung and are said. And in chapter 7, the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they 
fell down on their faces before the throne and they worshiped, verse 12, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength to our God forever and ever. The revelation burst forth with praise and worship to God and the Lamb again and again all through the book. A little hint here, this is what heaven's all about. Uh, If you're not into that, uh, probably not saved. And you wouldn't be happy if God did let you into heaven. And can you, can you and I not understand why there is so much opposition to giving God praise? Is it not tragic that so much of the energy that is used in churches today is to please us? To please a changing culture rather than to worship a holy God? How is it with me this morning? How is it with you? Here's something to think about. We can see from Scripture that the voices of heaven are all united in the worship of God. Praise Him! Praise Him! The most often command in Scripture. And they do it 24 hours a day. Do you know what that means? When you and I Gather as a body of believers and we praise him. We're joining the heavenly chorus. What an amazing reality. That when we in our hearts sing God honoring, God exalting songs and hymns and spiritual songs. Same things going on in heaven. Our worship service, the saints on earth and the saints in heaven, one in their praise and thanksgiving, hallelujah, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Look at verse 2, answer the question. Why praise? Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his Surpassing greatness. We're told to praise him for his acts of power. Surely, we should join the angels of old in praising God when he first brought about creation and we live in the midst of it. And certainly as we look at the mighty acts of God in creation... Out of nothing making heaven and earth. Dividing the earth and the sky and the water from the land. Forming humans from the dust of the earth. Breathing into his nostrils the breath of life. And you just go on and on and on and on. Why praise him? Look at creation. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And as we think of the acts of power, there are many other. What about just the everyday care, the continuing care that God gives? 
by the power of his word, sustaining everything, providing everything. You know, I do not have to be a prognosticator to tell you something. You know what's happening right now? Right here in Gallatin, Tennessee, the seasons are changing. It does it every year. And they'll change again. We're going into fall. We call it that. And then we'll go into winter. And then we'll go into spring. And then we'll go into summer. Some of you are really older. Older than me. But I'm getting up there. And for all of my 77.7 years. Some of you know I'm counting the months now. Every year. Winter. Spring, summer, fall. The faithfulness of God. Everywhere you turn, there's a reason to praise the Lord. Praise Him. Surely the grandest of God's acts of power are His saving acts. What an amazing saving act. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. What a wonder. I'll tell you another wonder. If you're in Christ, what an amazing act of sovereign grace that he would bring you up out of the pit. You deserve hell with anybody else. We're all children of wrath. And yet, you're in Christ. That was not your idea. That was his. What an amazing wonder. Victory from the bloody cross and the grave, the empty grave of Christ. Surely, it should often be upon our lips. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! We're told here, though, not only to praise him for his acts of power, but also to praise him for his excellence, surpassing greatness. We don't have time to get into it today. You can get into it on your own, and maybe we'll have a study on it. We, we put things like this in our newsletter in times past. If you want to have a real focus on his excellent, surpassing greatness... Look at all of the biblical names of God. And look at all of the attributes of God that are set forth in Scripture. And you'll have a field day of beholding the surpassing greatness of God. But let's suppose you have days like this. I've had days like this. I don't seem to have anything to thank him for today. Oh, I'm not saying we don't. We do. But I think if we're honest, we have days, maybe sometimes many of us many days, and we don't seem to find anything to thank God for. Not because it's not there, but there's something that we wanted that we didn't get, or something we got that we didn't want. And until or unless that changes... 
I ain't praising God. Now, we don't say it that way. We just go around in a morose spirit and sadness and as if God is dead. When God seems to withhold his blessings, when his face seems to be against us, is God any less worthy of praise? The answer to that is no. Excuse me. He needs to be praised because he's God. Apart from anything that he does or does not do for me, he is God. He's worthy of praise. I don't, as long as the Lord gives me breath, I don't think I'll ever get tired of telling you about a lady named Carol. 32 years old. No legs. No arms. About the height of a baby. Facial features looking normal. A crowd is gathered around and they're asking her questions. One of them was Don Baker, who was a pastor and wrote a book. And in the book is his story. And so she's talking and she says... One day I was, I had my Bible propped up in front of me. Remember, she has no, no arms and no legs. She has the Bible propped up in front of her and she's reading the book of Job. Feeling sorry for herself. Turning the pages with the pencil clamped between her teeth. And suddenly there was gracious divine revelation. I suddenly realized that Job's hideous pain was no accident. Nothing happens in the life of one of God's children without first having God's permission. It seems like I've read that in the book of Job. God could have stopped all that was happening to Job He can do that, you know, says Carol. But he didn't. He could have given me a beautiful, healthy, normal body. But he didn't. When I realized that, I stopped fighting and pleading and began just praising him and thanking him. And you know what happened? The crowd says, no, what happened? I'm at peace. I'm at peace. She laughed as if she discovered Earth's best kept secret. One of the best kept secrets on the planet had been revealed to her. Genuine praise. Genuine praise is is rooted in Revelation, I think I've seen a little. Oops, that one's empty. Someone's, oh, this is full. Sorry. I normally don't have this problem. Genuine praise is rooted in revelation to one's heart of the worthiness of God to be worshipped and praised. 
That's a revelation. That's a God thing. We live on a planet full of people who don't think God is all that good. In fact, they have created their own gods. Genuine praise is rooted in revelation to one's heart of the worthiness of God to be worshipped and praised. And that will come from a study of God's word and from just looking at his creation. Genuine praise is rooted in God's sovereignty. God is God. He's sovereign. He's free to act when he pleases, where he pleases, as he pleases, with whom he pleases. He's limited only by his nature. He will never do anything that is contrary to his holy nature. Here is a very key principle as to what is at the root of so much depression. Being resentful as to what God, as to what sovereign God has brought or allowed. It's a glorious day of miracles when any of us cries out to God, You're God, you're sovereign, you do as you please, when you please, with whom you please, you're God. Don Baker summed it up this way. God's sovereignty is the truth that enables me to say thank you. God's sovereignty comforts me with the knowledge that that God could have prohibited or controlled all the situations and all the people who are connected to my stress level. So... Since he didn't, Mr. Baker proceeded to give what has become my most beloved quote. I can accept the fact that infinite mercy, infinite wisdom, unchanging love has conspired with almighty power to cause something or to allow something That's ultimately for my good and for his glory. We might need to stop and have a prayer meeting and get on our faces before God and say, Lord, that's my confession. I want to confess to you that infinite wisdom and unchanging love has conspired with almighty power to cause something or to allow something that's for my good and for your glory. So I'm going to praise you. Praise the Lord. Now, how are we to praise him? Well, the next verses might shake our tree a little bit. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firm of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him for his excellent greatness. So far, so good. Not that we've got that all written. Uh, We've lived up. Check it off now. What's next? Boy, we need to count there. But now, praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery. Praise him with the harp. Praise him with the 
timbrel and the dance. Praise him with the stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Now, we don't do that here. Really? Now, what we're not talking about is showmanship. A lot of people turn to these verses and justify showmanship. Justify the flesh. And then some of us, we're too self-righteous for that, so we just go over into Dullsville. God, who he is, what he does, what he's going to do, what our eternity is going to be, it's nothing to get excited about. Nothing to even get a smile about. Nothing to say amen about. Nothing to say praise the Lord about. We don't do that here. Now, there is a world of difference between the expressions of worship that are spontaneous from the heart in overflow of praise and gratitude to God versus things that are planned and connived and choreographed to show off the flesh and to pump up the flesh. Here's an example. Some of you have heard this before. Hearing again won't hurt you. An example of spontaneous overflow. Louise Fay and Louise Montgomery were recent converts up at First Baptist Church Hartsville in about 1970. I'd had the privilege of going into their home and share the gospel with Louise and her husband, and then walking out, shared the gospel with their 40-year-old son, who was a big fellow. When I walked in, I talked to him about going to church. I don't have any clothes. I have to shave. When I walked out, I pulled out a little track. Could we go over this together? He cut the television off. He listened and in profound simplicity just went through the little gospel track of his own heart's desire he wanted to pray and ask Jesus to save him. And he did. So I said, Faye, you want to tell anybody? Yes. He got up and went in and told his mom and dad. What about church tonight? I'll be there. You know, the gospel makes a difference. A few days later... Of that same week, I said, Faye, would you like to give a testimony? Yes. And he stood behind and he overwhelmed the size of the pulpit. He a big fella. He said, this has been the most wonderfulest week of my life. So now I think it may have been the next night. The sermon had been preached 
the hymn of response was being given. The church built, the church auditorium uh, had two side aisles of, of pews and a, a center aisle, a center aisle, just one center aisle and pews on either side. And, and uh, Mrs. Montgomery was sitting on one side and Faye was sitting on the other, new converse. And from somewhere back there, must have been where she was sitting, Mr. Claude Montgomery suddenly burst out of that pew, ran down to the front, fell on his face, loudly crying out, Oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Those are not the exact words, but that's the exact essence of what took place. And you know what happened when that took place? Faye and Louise went to that center aisle and started shouting and dancing in praise, uninhibited praise to God. In First Baptist Church. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Psalm 150 maybe shakes our tree a little bit. King David dancing before the Lord was all about a holy rejoicing in God that overflowed from the heart. It was not planned. It was not rehearsed. It was not choreographed. He was oblivious to what anybody else thought about it. It was not weird. It was not wild. It was not outside of the bounds of that which would honor God. The Bible reveals to us that a high point of praise to God is through songs and music. I was listening to John MacArthur uh, speak in a dialogue with a music person on his staff. And he said, I noticed that during the worship service... You never sit on the, on the platform during the song service. You see, yeah, when I came here, I left the throne. I come up here to preach if that's what I'm to do, but I'm not up here to, to be seen by anybody. I want to be out there because I'm a worshiper. And when the songs are sung, I'm singing. He's on target. We've already seen how the, the revelation is filled with, with worship scenes and just scene after scene after singing and, and praise and music and, and the songs are an overflow of sound theology. Check the theology of your song. Not all the songs in our hymn book are good theology. Many of them are. I have it on good authority that all 150 psalms are good theology. Looking at all these settings of praise to God, we we see that praise and worship must never be divorced from holiness. For he is a holy God. It must never be divorced from loving obedience to God. 
There's some tragic worship scenes in the Bible. So, uh, Exodus 32. They've, they've built a golden calf. And they're worshiping the Lord. That phrase is used. By compromising Aaron. He has to have the approval of the people. He didn't have the approval of God for that. But he wanted to please the people. And so we're going to have a worship service to the Lord. And the guy with Moses up on the mountain. They're coming down. And Joshua and he says, Moses, I hear the sounds of war. Moses, who had been raised in the culture of Egypt, knew that that wasn't war. He said, it's music. The world's music is always discordant and conflicting. And the words don't matter because we're into the music. Of all the music we have in the Bible, what we have is the words. What a tragic contrast. They loved it. Isaiah 1. They had a great worship service. God hated it. Because their lifestyle was full of sin. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It's not about gifted musicians. It's not about grand performances. God expects and wants every one of us to be engaged in praise for he is worthy. The choir, the quartets, the duets, the solos, the organist, the pianist. Well, but I'm not into that because I don't sing good. Doesn't matter. God's looking at our hearts. If you can't sing good, say good. God never grows weary of praise from loving hearts. Who is to praise the Lord? Who is to bring the hallelujah before him? Verse 6 says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, everything, everyone in all of creation is to offer praise to the Lord. God is speaking to us today. To leave the doldrums, to leave the dullness. Not talking about making a show. Not talking about demonstrating the flesh. But talking about worshiping a worthy God in a worthy fashion. The angels were not over in some course. Hey, I don't want to say this too loud, but uh, there's a baby born down there. Supposed to bring about some good to some of those humans down there. Glory in the highest. Praise to God. A Savior is being born. Have you ever been impressed with that? You could be here this morning and you've never come to faith in Christ. You've never... You've never been moved in your heart with these words or similar words. 
I'm a sinner and a Savior is born. Flee to Christ. Come today. Flee to Christ. He's the only Savior. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we can be saved. Repent. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Christian. Let's go forth praising him. And God wants us to turn up the godly enthusiasm, the godly involvement. If I'm in the pew singing, if I'm in the choir singing, wherever I am, when we gather, we are joining in with the angels, with those in heaven who are worshiping God. We should do it in a fashion that demonstrates that in our mind and heart, by the grace of God, he's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. Praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Oh, Father, deliver us from just going through the motions. Awaken us to our privilege Awaken us to the high calling. Awaken us to your worthiness. In the midst of such good news, the wonder and grace of God, may we be oblivious to what others think and only concerned about pleasing you. And this we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen.